0: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode hey, of Angel. Hi Em. I know this is very off-brand, but I kind of want to start with this Dumas thing we just saw.
1: No, I, I do too.
0: Okay, obviously take this with a grain of salt, but what they're talking about here is one of the stories we were going to discuss today anyway, so I feel like this is kind of a good place to start. So it's a submission that Dumois posted, subject, The Girlies Are Fighting, and it said, This reality star and model has been adamant about keeping a low profile when it comes to her love life. This is Kendall Jenner. Well, it seems like things might have taken a turn for the worse. Sources reveal that she's been left mortified after her new fling released some not-so-nice lyrics about her ex-boyfriend, whom she recently ended a long-term relationship with. The worst part? The new bow didn't even give her a heads up before releasing the track, leaving her feeling used and betrayed. Their holiday plans together have been cut short, and now she's back in LA, not in the mood to talk to anyone about what happened. So obviously take all of that with a grain of salt, but what they're referencing is Kendall Denner's new rumored relationship with Bad Bunny. And this is all coming off of last week, when on Friday, he released his new song, Coco Chanel, and in it, there were lyrics in Spanish that translate in English to, The sun in Puerto Rico is hotter than Phoenix's, and she knows it which is a dig at her ex, Devin Booker, who obviously plays on the Phoenix Suns. So we knew that was out there. We were going to talk about it anyway. But basically what this blind is saying, and again, who knows if it's true, is that Kendall was kind of blindsided by that and really not into the way that all went down.
1: If anything, I'm just impressed by the quick turnaround time on this song. Like they have not been hooking up for that long.
0: I know. It's also like, not that we needed confirmation because we had seen photos of them, but that's kind of the most confirmation you're going to get.
1: Oh, absolutely. The last thing that I was expecting was for Bad Bunny to have already released a lyric about Kendall in a song. And I feel like the thing is here that we knew whether this Dumois blind item is true or not. We knew that this wasn't going to be a relationship that was very long-lasting. Like it it had all of the makings of just a kind of a quick fling, a fun thing for Kendall, kind of getting her back out there after the Devin Booker thing in like a major way. And so If this is how their breakup goes down, again, true or not, I personally can't be mad at that.
0: Well, who knows if it's really the end. I feel like I can't even pretend to be invested enough to speculate on that because it's all so new. But just going back to what was said in The Blind for a second- I could absolutely see a world in which Kendall was mortified by this. You know, she is someone who likes to keep things so private, specifically when it comes to her love life. And I feel like what we knew about her and Devin Booker, it was a very amicable split, you know, a lot of mutual respect. Whereas if this is Kylie, for example, I think she would fucking love this. I think the Leo and Kylie would love, you know, her new fling having lyrics about her ex like to me that feels like something she would be all over whereas kendall i agree one because she likes to keep things so private second because i do think she has anxiety surrounding these types of things like i just
1: don't think it's something she's down for at all yeah it's incredibly on brand that kendall wouldn't want this to be the case whereas it's funny that you said about kylie because i agree i think kylie would love this i also think kim would love this i think the idea of their relationship even if it's short-lived for the two of them being like memorialized in a song forever and like kind of this very long lasting example of their stamp on pop culture is so unbelievably enticing to them. I think for Kendall, the initial embarrassment or the initial invasion of privacy of that is so unappealing to her that she can't even think as far ahead as like well, this is actually kind of cool. And so for Kendall to be upset about this and for Kendall to even feel like this was something where she wouldn't want a relationship or a potential fling to continue as a result of it, to me, that is incredibly on brand for her.
0: Right. And again, we're having this entire conversation based on a blind item that we have no ability to verify the accuracy of. You know, We could see a photo of Kendall and Bad Bunny together in a week from now, and this would all be obsolete. I still think it's a conversation worth having because it's interesting. And again, whether or not this would hypothetically be the thing that led to the end of their fling, I still think it's worthy to just think about how Kendall would respond to this, assuming she didn't know, which really brings me to my point, which is anytime something like this happens, even the idea that these lyrics would have come out you know, without Kendall knowing and she's kind of shocked, it always kind of takes me back for a second because in my mind, anyone who's so closely associated with the Kardashians in any capacity, romantically or otherwise, has a very clear understanding of like the channels things need to go through before approval. And so this kind of hit me and like, Bad Bunny is not thinking about his lyrics through the lens of, is this kosher with the Kardashians? Which obviously, nor should he be. This is like one of the most famous artists in the world, a worldwide sensation. But I feel like my lens comes at it from, did the Kardashians approve this? And this is just not a case where that matters. You know, looking
1: at it from that lens, it's like if Bad Bunny and Kendall had maybe been dating a little bit longer, the relationship was seemingly a little bit more serious, then he maybe would have this responsibility to at least run the lyric by her. Maybe not get full Kardashian approval in the way that we think about it being done, but like, you know, get her okay on on the lyric. But I think because of how casual... This relationship is presenting itself to be, it makes sense that he wouldn't do that, that he would just throw it into a song and 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 not think about whether or not Kendall would be okay with it, how she would react to it. Like it it almost makes sense to me that this happened in the way that it did. Oh, it makes total sense. And again,
0: he has no obligation to obtain her approval. It's one line: the sun in Puerto Rico is hotter than Phoenix's and she knows it. It's relatively harmless. It's just, again, knowing Kendall or feeling as though, you know, Kendall, you can understand how she would react. The entire idea of it is just like hilarious that we're even having this conversation. And then on top of it, so the song comes out and then this account on Instagram at rap posts the lyric and writes, is Bad Bunny throwing shots at Kendall Jenner's ex, Devin Booker? And Devin Booker comments, he's worried about another man again, which it was a comment that was quickly deleted because it, it- definitely came across, I mean, I can't 100% say his intention, but it definitely came across as homophobic in nature. By the time we went to look for it, not that we would have ever posted it anyway, but just to see it with our own two eyes, it was already deleted. But it it just goes to show you like, I guess, I don't want to say it elicited the desired response from Devin Booker. I don't think Bad Bunny thought that much about it. But if there was any goal in getting a rise out of someone, it clearly you know, bothered him.
1: The thing here is that the lyric alone, like It's not that it's Kendall's worst nightmare, I won't go that far, but it's not Kendall's like desired way of being appreciated or shown love or or, like admired in a new relationship. Like that's not Kendall's thing. So then on top of that, for Devin Booker to respond and it to be made a little bit more messy than it already was, like now we're getting into Kendall's worst nightmare territory. That amount of attention on Kendall, Kendall being inadvertently in the middle of like a little bit of a mess. It's so not Kendall, which to me at least definitely adds a whole other layer to this. Like it makes it, a, it makes it a little interesting.
0: Shout out to AstroPro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, There is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray and AstroPro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me, to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with AstroPro. Go to astroproallergy.com for a discount so you can AstroPro and Go today. A S T E P R O allergy.com. and Go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me that is such a chic look. Also their washable silk blouses, they are so comfortable but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy, staples. like That is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm, rather ready with quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince dot com slash CBC. The other part to all of this, which really has nothing to do with Kendall, is more so the way in which this went down, which, again, this Devin Booker comment is not an example of what I'm about to say because this was in poor taste. He very quickly deleted it. Like, that's not what I'm referring to here. However, the general concept of these very A-list celebrities responding in real time via a tweet or an Instagram comment to some drama going on in a lot of ways is a lost art. You know, something we talk about a lot is we started the account in 2017 and back then, even just a few years before people were really getting in there. We're talking Selena Gomez, Justin Bieber, like they were airing out their dirty laundry in Instagram comments. Even Kim, Lindsay Lohan, it's not stuff that we see anymore. They're so much more refined in their approach. I know we've had this conversation relatively recently of like, Where's the mess? you know, let's have a little fun here. And so again, even though this particular comment was in poor taste and like very much not it, the entire idea of someone responding in this way and not like just quote taking the high road, which is what everyone seems to be doing these days c- kind of brought me back for a moment.
1: Oh my God, I would do anything for comments to be a little bit more messy. I, I think the one that comes to mind the most in terms of that is a long time ago when Justin Bieber was dating Sophia Richie. And Bieber's fans were not happy about it and kind of attacking Sofia Richie. And Bieber put up a post of him and Sofia defending her. And Selena Gomez commented on it saying like, well, if you don't want people to attack your new girlfriend, like you shouldn't be posting, like your fans have been with you from day one. Like you have to respect that like they are always going to be your fans or something. And like, to me, that is the prime example of like, that is something you will never see again. That level of mess on Instagram, a direct ex-girlfriend response to a new girlfriend involving fans, like you're never going to get that again. But also that's why when everything went down with Caitlin Carter and Miley and Miley replied to the comment from Brody, that was crazy to us because we hadn't seen that in a while.
0: No, we hadn't specifically with someone like a Miley Cyrus. That's always what we talk about—the idea of an A-list celebrity handling drama in the way that a reality star does. It's not shocking when you see it from Brody Jenner. It's not shocking when you see it from, you know, a Laguna Beach castmate. It's shocking when you see it from Miley Cyrus. And it, it, it there's just something very kind of fun about all that. And I agree with you. We've really gotten away from that. I hope that the pendulum swings in the other way, in that the over curation you know, celebrities and their teams realize how kind of unappealing that can be. I don't think it'll ever be as messy as it once was, but I'm hopeful that there's a day where it's a little bit freer.
1: Here's the thing. Twitter discourse ruins the ability for things to be freer and messier in a fun way because everything becomes so serious. So like, these messy Instagram comments that we used to have that used to be so fun and enjoyable now gets taken to a level where it's so serious, where no celebrity wants to be on the receiving end of like Twitter discourse. I think that's every celebrity's worst nightmare right now is doing something, either not thinking something through all the way and just kind of posting in a haste Or, you know, doing something that they interpret to be harmless that Twitter interprets to be the opposite of and kind of taking it too far. And so that's why you have this over curation of the way celebrities now approach their own social media, other people's social media, potential messes on social media. It's kind of all operating in this avoidance of being caught in the middle of something that they just don't have the energy for. And I can't blame them for that.
0: Oh, I was about to say, of course I can't blame them. If you're given the choice between do this and you will become the center of Twitter conversation or don't do this, you may be considered a little bit boring, but your name will be left out of that. Of course, I would say for most people, you're going to take the latter option. So it's – yeah, it's like I fully get it. I fully respect it. I I don't blame anyone. Of course, as the consumer – You wish there could be a little bit more mess in a way that was relatively harmless. And I think that's what it is. It's not about reinstating mess. It's reinstating harmless mess. Right.
1: Exactly. And the other side of it is, yes, the the Twitter discourse I think is like – I think Twitter discourse is like one of the most harmful things to what we want out of celebrities because it prevents us from getting it. I I, I don't know if you've ever seen something where you're, like, so excited to go on Twitter and see what people are saying, and everyone just takes it to, like, the next level of too serious, and you're like, this isn't fun. Like, I wanted to come on here and laugh. I didn't want to have to have, like, this whole deep discussion about something that isn't that deep. On the other side of it, celebrities also stay away from the mess because they want to be taken more seriously than they are. Every celebrity now has this desire of being taken a little bit too seriously not every celebrity is a celebrity that needs to be taken seriously some of you guys just inherently aren't like lean into that a little more
0: i know and it's like if you really wanted to break it down how much of that just originates from a place of ego and specifically what happens to one's ego when in the center of hollywood and then at the same time how much of that is also focused on the way one is perceived in terms of getting the jobs that they want it like there's it's such a larger conversation but yes
1: it's a totally larger conversation. It also brings in like the TikTok and kind of the lower level celebrities into the conversation because you have these major celebrities saying like, you know, TikTok's kind of ruined the celebrity world. Like all of these people are celebrities now and, you know, you don't really have to do anything to become famous. Meanwhile, these TikTok celebrities and these influencers are giving us a level of drama that we're not getting from regular celebrities. They're giving us a level of messiness that we can be invested in and follow and, and you know, Attach ourselves to with celebrities that we can, and so of course we're kind of going to veer course and focus a little bit more on what we are getting rather than what we're not getting.
0: Right. I mean, I think what it really comes down to is that as the consumer, of course, transparency is appealing. It's more fun to talk about something when you have a little bit of a window as to what's going on on a smaller scale. You know, it's the reason that. We like watching the Kardashians because we see this drama happen and then we kind of see their version of being transparent and showing it. It's never going to be told in the way a TikToker or a YouTuber is going to show it, but still, it gives you something. Whereas for the large majority of celebrity gossip, you're never really getting that transparency that you crave. And you don't expect it. You know, maybe you'll get a few lines about something later on in a Vogue interview, but you're never going to get it in that type of style. And, you know, that's okay. That's how these things work. But, of course, that's going to be desirable as the person on the receiving end of it. And then of course, if you're the celebrity, it's going to be very undesirable. It's a very conflicting situation, honestly, in terms of like knowing that by not getting it, in some ways you're respecting the person more, yet at the same time, having a more likability towards the person when you do get it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an incredibly hard balance to find as a lover of pop culture and as a giver of pop culture being the celebrity. I mean, like the entire idea of, your personal life and your celebrity being consumed by others for the sake of your own relevancy or for the sake of your fans or for the sake of, you know, people just generally being interested in you as a person rather than you as your art, like requires, I I don't know how to say this, like requires a little bit of selling your soul maybe through your own eyes. Like that's how you perceive it as. Whereas like being a lover of pop culture, yeah, of course we love Music and we love movies and TV shows, and we want to consume the art. But, like, if you're really invested in pop culture and the stories and the things that you really care about and you want to analyze on Twitter and with your friends, like, those are not the things that they're giving us. That's why Scandival was so exciting. That's why I kept saying to you and Isabel, I was like, I'm so jealous because I just want to be so deeply invested in the way that you guys are. Like, that's why those things take off like that because. The camaraderie of being able to discuss and analyze every single point of it is more fun than you are ever going to have at a movie theater or a TV show or at a concert. I'm sorry, it just is. Right, and then on top of it, when something like that makes its way to such
0: mainstream and it's on the top headline of the CNN website, it it ends up becoming like kind of this full circle moment of this thing that almost felt, you know, too lowbrow to really make its way to the mainstream, and then it becomes the mainstream. It's a very validating uh, feeling. Yes, that's a a prime example. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. So we finally got a reaction from Ben Affleck on that viral moment of him and JLo at the Grammys. This came in his interview with Hollywood Reporter titled, Ben Affleck on air, new CEO gig and those memes, quote, I am who I am. It was by Rebecca Keegan. Honestly, the majority of the article is really focused on this new production company that he's starting with Matt Damon. But in terms of what we're going to discuss, we're going to focus more on the mentions of JLo and some other things that tie back to conversations we've previously had. I'll just read the intro and then we'll kind of zone in on the questions that are more applicable to what we're talking about. So it starts with, it's been 25 years since Ben Affleck became the youngest person to win the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay at Age 25 for Good Will Hunting, which he wrote with Matt Damon, 16 years since he directed his critically acclaimed first feature, Gone Baby Gone, and a decade since he won Best Picture for Argo, a film Affleck directed, starred in, and produced. His four features as a director, all thrillers and dramas instead of the kind of franchise films that drive the modern box office, have made nearly $450 million worldwide. It's an enviable filmmaking resume and one that pretty much nobody brings up when you say the name Ben Affleck. But while the world has been scrutinizing his marriage, his mood and his coffee order, Affleck has been quietly building a new production company, Artists' Equity, with Damon, founded on the premise of profit sharing among not only directors, producers and actors, but also crew members such as cinematographers, editors and costume designers. So again, it's definitely worth the read. We'll put the link in the description. But in terms of some of the questions that kind of tie back to things that we've discussed, they ask why aren't you on Instagram? Your wife is very good at it. And he says, my wife's a genius at that. I don't know if there's anybody who understands Instagram better than her. In fact, she gave me a talk this morning before this interview. She thinks that because of experiences that I've had, I have become very guarded. And she's right. I view these things as landmines where if you say one wrong thing, your career might be over. I had a really painful experience where I did an interview where I was really vulnerable and the entire pickup was something that was not only not right, it was actually the opposite of what I meant which by the way that is in response to his interview he did with Howard Stern in 2021 where he made that a comment about Jennifer Gardner and it kind of got entirely misconstrued we discussed that at length at the time but it's interesting reading this now having the conversation we just had about celebrities and their approach to Instagram and social media because he's basically saying exactly what we just did which it's so much easier to not get involved you know like there is so much fear associated with having an opinion with even sharing what you think is comical just knowing kind of what that could turn into. So he's basically saying, yeah, I'm
1: terrified. And I understand that. It's so funny because my takeaway from that whole thing was just zoning in on that first sentence where you said that, Jennifer Lopez was a genius at Instagram and he doesn't think anybody understands Instagram better than she does. And in that moment, I was like, any doubt I had of that relationship, anything where I maybe even questioned how much he loved her, how devoted he was to her immediately went away. Like he is down so bad and views her so highly that he thinks that Jennifer Lopez is the Instagram genius. Like objectively, she isn't. She just uses it like very normally.
0: Well, very normally. And also like in a very monetized way, I would say a, a solid 40% are ads there. But again, that's us viewing it who are on Instagram for a living. If I'm Ben Affleck, I also think that Jennifer Lopez is, uses Instagram the best of anyone I've ever seen because she uses it at all.
1: Yes, that's exactly it. Whereas like being on social media at all is automatically impressive to Ben Affleck. Like If you can do the basic functions of Instagram, you're automatically good at it. You're automatically great at it. So that is such a funny point about the way that Ben Affleck views using social media at all. It's very like dad-like. Yeah. it's <laughs> probably why I like him so much. Right, like you... Okay, one thing that is a, such a major difference about us is like you view the way that like parents have frustration with social media as like cute and endearing and I get like unreasonably frustrated <laughs> by it. Like, you know that meme that's like when your mom's coughing and, like, you get so mad for no reason, like, that is how I feel when adults ask questions about social media. I'm like, stop it. Like, how do you not know this? Like, prime example, like, it's not even my own parent. Like, when my parents do, forget about it. I have zero patience. But, like, the other day, your dad did something so adorable, which was, like, you s- he asked for an address and you sent it to him. And he was like, okay, type it into google maps and you're like no daddy just like click on it and it'll take you there and he clicked on it it took him into google maps automatically he was like hey that's a great feature and (laughs) it was unbelievably adorable in the interim of that you were so patient in telling him how to do that in the interim i was like just click on it (laughs) does that
0: also mean that you were going crazy when he was trying to figure out how to make a status to thank people for the
1: birthday wishes like, I, I was like, what do you, what do you mean? You don't know how to make a status. Like you just open up the app. It's literally right there. Like, I have just so little patience. <laughs> and then I feel bad about it because when I see people posting on TikTok and they do these videos that like, to me are just so draining and so time consuming and so fucking difficult. I'm like, we are not we are not working with like the same skill set here and so like then i like understand why it's so hard for parents because it's not innate for them in the way that it is for us to use certain social media whereas like it's not innate for me to use TikTok. And I honestly, I get so fucking frustrated because I'm like, I never thought I would be ending up in like the other side of this. Like I thought no matter what social media came out, I would just adapt because it's in my blood too. I so
0: understand. And it is such a necessary perspective shift because TikTok is really the first time when a social media platform came around and I was like, I love viewing you, but I have absolutely no idea how to use you to the point where it almost terrifies me. Like it was the first time that I really understood how the logistics associated with making content could be so scary. So not, I I actually think like, I personally didn't feel that I needed more patience for that because I do find it endearing, but I totally understand how it could give someone more patience
1: because I feel like a fish out of fucking water when I'm trying to do something on that app. I know, and I really have to channel that the next time I'm getting frustrated because, like, I get so, so frustrated. I think I just still. I think this all
0: originates. What you're describing is like an endearing approach. It all originates from the absolute pride I will feel for the rest of my life from when I was like, I don't know, 11, and I taught my grandpa how to minimize so that he didn't have to. Close his free cell game when he went to go eat. He could just minimize it. It like changed the course of his life, and I just carry that with a lot of pride. Like the the act, you could you could change someone's life by teaching them how to minimize.
1: And it's so beautiful. And like, (laughs) I guess with my grandparents, I have a lot of patience too. But they're also really good at it. Like, yes, my papa's not out here making TikTok videos, but he knows how to reshare a story to his Instagram story. And so, when other adults can't do that, I'm like, if my 88 year old grandfather can do that, like, it's get it together.
0: They are. They are very, very with it. But anyway, hold on. Going back to Ben Affleck for a second.
1: One thing about us on a Monday, we're going to tangent. Em, I almost don't know how to like not anymore. Like, I First know. of all, the tangents are my favorite parts of the episode. So now I feel like I'm seeking them out a little bit. So when they happen so naturally like this, I'm like, ooh, I didn't even force that one.
0: <laughs> okay. So he was asked about the Grammys moment. It said, do you mind the Ben Affleck having a bad time with the Grammys meme? And he said, No, I had a good time at the Grammys. My wife was going and I thought, well, there'll be good music, it'll be fun. At movie award shows, it's speeches and like sound mixing webinars, but I thought this would be fun. I saw Trevor approaching and I was like, oh God, they were framing us in this shot, but I didn't know they were rolling. I leaned into her and I was like, as soon as they start rolling, I'm going to slide away from you and leave you sitting next to Trevor. She goes, you better fucking not leave. That's a husband and wife thing. I mean, some of it is. I'm like, all right, who's this act? Like I don't keep up. My wife does obviously. And yeah, it's your wife's work event. And I've gone to events and been pissed off. I've gone and been bored. I've gone to award shows and been drunk a bunch. Nobody ever once said I'm drunk. But at the Grammys, they were like, he's drunk. And I thought that's interesting. That raises a whole other thing about whether or not it's wise to acknowledge addiction because there's a lot of compassion, but there's still a tremendous stigma, which is often quite inhibiting. I do think it disincentivizes people for making their lives better, which is actually interesting because I remember at the time that we were discussing it, maybe there was some speculation about him drinking, but that was never like an approach that we had, I think, you know, he's been very open about his sobriety. And I think our stance on it was like, he just didn't look like he was having that great of a time because I don't think he enjoys going to these events in the way that J-Lo does. And actually hearing from him, he was having a totally fine time and it was just a moment that was caught. But I, I don't know, there's just something about like when a celebrity chooses to acknowledge themselves at a meme, even if it's in this context, like even if it's in the form of an interview, I will never not eat that up.
1: Well, I think that going back to the conversation we've been having throughout this entire episode, like in terms of the way that celebrities use social media, that is probably one of the greatest things that you can do for your brand. That is probably one of the most harmless ways to use social media where you are just automatically going to be given love for that fact because people go fucking crazy for the like the metaness, is that a word? Like (laughs) of a celebrity acknowledging a meme, they just love it. And like from our point of view, our angle and seeing the way that people respond to certain comments, that is by far the one that people respond the best to. Oh,
0: totally. I mean, on the spectrum of inserting yourself into conversation, I would say it's one of the more harmless ways to do so. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, and this is the point that I was going to make before, like prior to our tangent, which is in terms of, just going off of the way that Ben views social media, especially with the way that JLo promotes on it. One of the issues that I think a lot of celebrities get themselves into is that they don't understand the value of social media beyond what they can sell. And so to them, being on social media is like a means to an end. It's something that their publicist is making them do. It's something that only exists so that they can sell tickets to their movie or get people to watch their show or go to their concert or sell their product. Like They don't understand the value in promoting yourself as a celebrity. And there's so much value in that. And I think that one of the easiest ways to do that is to be able to laugh at yourself. People love a celebrity that is in on the joke about them. They love when a celebrity can laugh about themselves. They love when a celebrity doesn't take themselves too seriously. And so the sheer ability to reference a meme about yourself, even if it's not in the form of a comment or an Instagram story, just acknowledging it at all is giving people that ability to connect to you on another level because now you're laughing at the same thing right exactly and one of the most bonding
0: experiences that we can have with other people is when we are laughing at the same thing and then when that other person just so happens to be the celebrity that the joke is based around it even creates another layer of intimacy in like this very strange kind of parasocial relationship way but it's true
1: this is what i want to explain to celebrities and the value of social media like if you are somebody and i understand it is not that easy as the conversation we were just having about like you know Twitter is already ready to have a discourse about you before you even do something. But if you have somehow figured out how to navigate social media in a way that makes you so likable, by the time your product drops, people are more interested in it because they're already attached to you. Like you're just getting ahead of the game before your product drop, before the thing that you want to promote. And you just can do it so much more seamlessly when people are already invested in your content. And that is like, I think that is the lesson that if I were to pass on to celebrities and social media teams that I would want the most understood.
0: I know. And I just think there's a lot of fear there because I would have to imagine that it's more terrifying or upsetting for people to come for your product or even your art, which is an extension of yourself and is very intimate. But even that, than coming for you as a human being, Like I think there's a an ability to almost hide behind the thing that you're promoting, whether it's artwork, whether it's a product, whatever it is, that can mask the hurt of a more personal attack, yet the two are needed in order to achieve the most amount of success. It's a it's a pretty vicious cycle. I mean, there's a lot there, obviously,
1: if we wanted to really discuss it intelligently. No, I mean, there's a ton there. It's, it's more than just an episode's worth, but it is interesting you know, to kind of hear about the way that somebody like Ben Affleck views social media and the trap that social media is in, and wanting to help him kind of get out of that trap. Because I think that you know, when you're somebody who consumes so much social media and so much celebrity and pop culture, like you can kind of see it from a bird's eye view in a way that a celebrity who is in the middle of it just can't. And so I think like as a pop culture lover, you want to pass on the knowledge of what you've consumed on your own, the patterns that you've recognized, not just us as comments who have an Instagram account that's like really zoned in on it. But I think that Twitter users and Instagram and TikTok users have all kind of collected their own data of what works and what doesn't. And so it's almost like you could put people and make the ultimate focus group of what works. You'll never fully understand it unless it's completely innate to you or if you're in the middle of it fully consuming it. That's why younger people are just going to be better at social media. But there are lessons that can be passed on and be used in a way that is so beneficial to celebrities.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. Like in my dream world, you know, these massive A-listers would really be conducting these secretive focus groups filled with consumers of social media. I'm not talking about publicists and their teams and their social media consultants. No, I'm talking about your average, everyday people, like really just coming together and and signing NDAs and giving a talking to, because I actually think that could be one of the most beneficial experiences they could ever do for their career, specifically as it applies to social. (laughs) Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. This is so minor in the scheme of things, but it feels like the one pop culture story that anytime it's remotely mentioned, we then talk about it because something else comes out that adds a little bit more context. Talking about Tyler Cameron and Gigi Hadid and their 2019 brief romance so Tyler was on Jason Tardick's podcast, and they were talking about it, and Jason was recalling talking to Tyler about their relationship at the time, and Jason's saying, you know, he says to me, dude, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I got $5,000 in my bank account. I don't know what my next job is, and I'm dating Gigi Hadid. And Tyler responds, and is like, not even $5,000. I had like $200. You know what I mean? Tyler goes, I'd be going on dates. I'm like calling up Pops in the bathroom. I'm like, Pops, I don't think my credit card's going to go through. I need you to send me some money right now. And he's like, you got it, son. Go get it. Which... Again, we've spoken about this relationship many times because the entire idea that they just started dating and then all of a sudden he was in the Netherlands at her grandmother's funeral. It's just having this added context is so fascinating to me because now I actually have a visual of like Tyler Cameron in the bathroom of Carbone calling his dad for money because he's afraid that his credit card is going to decline when he pays for his meal with Gigi Hadid. Like, What an added layer that
1: makes this story even more bizarre. I am so obsessed with this behind the scenes. I I never thought about it from this angle of like, yeah, it was so soon after The Bachelor ended. Like Tyler Cameron hadn't gotten ad deals yet. He hadn't been doing any modeling. Like it was immediately after the hype. And so, yeah, it makes sense that that's the case. I just literally never thought about it. But I've always been obsessed with this relationship and the, the mark that it made on pop culture. And I have to say like, if we're talking about celebrity stories that like elicit a real reaction, when those photos dropped of Gigi and Tyler Cameron at Dumbo House, like that was one of the best like Twitter moment reaction moments, like best pop culture moments that you're going to get because it was so crazy and so random and yet so hot that it made sense. Like that was a perfect pop culture moment.
0: No, it was perfect. And I think even though it made so much sense, it also made absolutely zero sense. And so getting this behind the scenes context of like what was going on at his mind at the time, which really was, he had the same reaction as the rest of the world of like, what the hell is going on here? And you could tell based on what he was saying is he was kind of just going with it. He was like saying, I don't know how I got here, but I'm going to ride this wave. I I just can't imagine like POV, you're Tyler Cameron's dad. You're getting a call from him from the bathroom of a restaurant because your son's on a date with Gigi Hadid and like he's afraid his cards are going to decline. That's a very unique experience. That is a bonding moment, I'm sure, between a father and son.
1: I think as a dad, like you always hope you're going to get that call. Like <laughs> as a dad, that has to be one of your proudest moments. Like of all of the times that your kid has asked you for money or asked you to help them get out of a situation or solve a problem, like you now get to help your son pay for a meal for Gigi Hadid. Like that is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's a proud father moment. Yeah, he's like, that's my boy right there. (laughs) Right, and I cannot blame him for that. (laughs) Okay, so in
0: terms of the Kardashian recap, we didn't talk about this last week, I don't think, but there's all these Met Gala rumors circulating. Uh, According to Page Six, sources tell Page Six that Vogue boss Anna Wintour is cracking down on the guest list as the annual fashion feat and that no Kardashians will make the cut. But a source familiar with the Kardashian-Jenner clan says it's not true that the first family of reality TV isn't invited to the big ball. Again, the Met Gala is Monday, May 1st. The theme is Carl Lagerfeld, A Line of Beauty, and the co chairs are Michaela Cole, Penelope Cruz, Roger Federer, and Dua Lipa. I don't know. I don't really see this being true. I mean, maybe is there a world that Courtney and Chloe wouldn't be there? Possibly, but I just can't envision a reality where, at the very least,
1: Kendall and Kim aren't
0: there. And Kylie, honestly, but really, Kim and Kendall.
1: First of all, Kim and Anna are friends. Like they're genuine, there's a relationship there. I cannot imagine a scenario in which Anna would snub them like that. Of course, I can imagine Courtney and Chloe not getting the invite. I can imagine them wanting to kind of do that for the sake of it not being the Kardashian show. But like, there's no way that Kim, Kendall, and Kylie are getting snubbed from the biggest night in fashion. There's no way that after being invited for this many years, that they are now all of a sudden gonna be like, nope, not worthy anymore. Like, there's just no way. And there's no way Chris Jenner's not gonna be there. I'm sorry. It's just like I would be floored if this was true.
0: Yeah, I would be really surprised. I mean, at the very least, Kim, Chris, and Kendall, and honestly, Kylie, maybe Courtney and Chloe not there, but I think that's reaching. Again, we could be wrong. We'll see in May. I would be shocked. But in other news, so Kim was really doing her soccer mom thing this last week. She was in London and Paris with Saint and his friends at all these soccer games. She was with and Satter. Kendall was there. I believe some of their other lifers and their children. But you could just see... Kim was in all her glory. Like, clearly, she was the one, as Allison said in her story, that made this whole thing happen. And I think that she probably gets no greater joy than just like not only seeing how happy her kids are, but also knowing that she was the cool mom for this.
1: I know that people have like a lot to say about the way that Kim does things for her kids or or experiences that she gets them or people she gets them to meet, whatever they have to say. I can never in a million years be mad at. Kim as a mother, having and being able to afford these experiences for her kids and her kids' friends, like you'll just never catch me finding anything wrong with that.
0: Oh no, me neither. I mean, I think as any parent, if you had the opportunity to like make your kids' whole year with something that they think is so cool, and you have the connection to be able to do it, I think that you would do it. I mean, I, I just think that anyone in that position, if given the opportunity, probably would. And like, listen, these kids are living the life. It's just an unfathomable reality, even among celebrity children. And there's just something very funny about seeing Kim in this like soccer mom mode, but her version of soccer mom mode, which is like her kids FaceTiming Neymar. Like that's just unique. And then the best part about this, someone tweeted at Iwan a photo of Kim at the bar holding like a pint of beer and wrote... How's my mate just bumped into Kim K at the boozer? And she's just so normal looking in a full denim outfit. We'll put the link to the tweet, just like holding a pint of beer at this pub
1: in London, I believe. I I don't even know what I would do with myself if I walked into a quote pub in London and saw Kim there with a quote pint of beer. Like (laughs) to me, that would just take me out. Like that's so fake. That sentence does feel like ad libs, right? I mean, none of those words are in the Bible.
0: (laughs) Oh God. And then the last thing we just wanted to mention is Chloe posted a story that said, being single and posting love quotes to confuse people is another level of fun with a smiley face. And the account Kardashian Social posted it with the caption, "Chloe is single, so let's chill with the Tristan dating rumors. And she commented hearts on it, which I know some people took as you know confirmation. There's a lot. Listen, we've been getting so many DMs about this because I know there's been a lot of reports that her and Tristan are back. Last week, we went off on that birthday post in the last two, three minutes of the episode. But I don't know. I don't think that they're back together at the moment. I don't.
1: I don't either, but like, I really don't. But I won't say that it's never going to happen. Like, I won't say that she is completely, in order for Chloe to like not fall back into that trap, she would have had to not fall back into it at all. Again, it follows the same pattern every time where it's like, he does something fucked up. He wins her back by being incredibly charming and incredibly loving and telling her everything that she wants to hear. She stands firm in her ground and says like, you know, we are just friends. That is all I am giving him. I will not give him more. I do not trust him. But like, I enjoy having him in my life in this capacity. And so we will remain friends and very close co-parents. And this is what's works for us. And then because they're such close friends, like she falls back into it. And then the same thing happens. And then the same thing happens. And so what we're seeing now is, yeah, I don't think they're back together right now. I truly, truly don't. But like, are they exhibiting a very familiar pattern? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just, you have two choices here. When really not knowing it, you can either be optimistic about it or you can be a little bit more skeptical. And I think either are completely fair approaches. I am personally choosing optimism because I don't wanna consider that reality until it is absolutely being showed to us with full clarity. I think in this moment, they're not together. That's a story that I'm sticking to until we are proven otherwise. Me too. Okay, is there anything else that you would like to mention? I think that's it. Okay, I think so totally We love you guys. Thank you for listening and letting us do this. And we'll be back later this week with Kardashians and Bravo. So, I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like, generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically, when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes, there can be so much nonsense or so much yada, yada. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada, yada, yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.